Hey everyone, Joe here. In this episode, I had the privilege of hosting Farnoosh Brock in the lounge. Farnoosh is a business and career coach, speaker, corporate trainer, author, and the founder and president of Prolific Living. During our discussion, we talked about how shifting to a serving mindset can bring value to both your personal and professional life. Enjoy. Live. Learning. Leadership. The Llama Lounge. Yo, welcome back to the Llama Lounge, a dialogue on all things life, learning, and leadership. This is Joe Bogdan, and I am excited to have another fantastic guest in the lounge today, Farnoosh Brock. How are you, Farnoosh? I'm excited to be here with you, Joe. How about you? Oh, I'm doing very well. I'm very excited for you to be here too. Um, I've been reading your book, um, The Serving Mindset, and uh, I've just really thoroughly enjoyed it. And I really appreciate the thoughts that you have there. And I can't wait to dig into it in our conversations today. Thank you. Thank you. I'm excited too. Yes. Awesome. So for our listeners, Farnoosh is a business and career coach, speaker, corporate trainer, author, and the founder and president of Prolific Living. Thank you so much for visiting Llama Lounge, Farnoosh. So and the first thing I wanted to ask you was like, how are things in your neck of the woods? We are living in a very unique environment right now. Um, you're in North Carolina, correct? Yes, I am. I am in North Carolina. It's east coast of the U.S. If you know, you're not familiar, but um, mm-hmm. but yeah, because I imagine you have an international audience, uh, Joe. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, I have pretty much stopped watching the news because mm-hmm. it's a little bit heavy. But yeah. I know that our numbers were still going up, and uh, we're not quite out of the woods yet. So it's um, it's a tough time because um you know it wears on you like the cumulative effect of quarantine just weighs on you like you might think after a month okay this isn't so bad but Mm -hmm. by the second month it just accumulates Mm -hmm. and so i find myself sometimes feeling down because i am taking this my husband and i are taking this very seriously you know we don't want to be a risk to others and i Mm -hmm. I'm passionate about this. Like we have to take this seriously and we don't want to put ourselves at risk. And, you know, you just have to weigh every move. And um, Mm. we're trying to stay busy with, you know, adopted new habits, health, mental wellness, business growth. That is hopefully help us emerge stronger after the pandemic Mm -hmm. and um, do whatever we can to help others. So, um, you know, that's what keeps us going. Yeah. yeah, I love that. And, you know, I think what you're doing is is right. Um, you and your husband are doing the right thing because there are so many times where I see on the news, like you're saying, um, we talk about all the things to protect us, you know, as a reactive uh, action versus talking about some of the proactive things we could do to make us better on the other side of this, whenever that might be. Yes. And and one thing I love about, um, you know, we're friends on social media and I love seeing like how, how your, your positive messages, but also some of your, um, is it yoga that you're doing and some of the yes. other messages? And that is awesome because I think that's something that I've been wanting to get into for a while, getting into yoga, because I think it's something that can um, help me both mentally and physically and and, and hopefully spiritually as well. Oh, I believe it. And I think everybody has their thing. Like one question I ask people is what is your grounding practice? Hmm. It could be breathing, meditation, running, any kind of thing that 
grounds you, right? Mm -hmm. As opposed to us being so flighty. And for me, you know, I do two hours a day. Wow. And um, it's it's kind of because I need a lot of grounding. (laughs) (laughs) Whereas my husband needs to be more flighty. But I'm um, only half kidding. But you know what I mean? Like for me, so anytime you want to talk yoga, um, yeah. I'm your gal for sure. Yeah. Yeah, that's so. awesome. I'll definitely, uh, I think I'm going to take you up on that. <laughs> <laughs> but, hey, so before we get deep into some conversations, uh, uh, whenever we have guests on the lounge, we like them to tell their stories. We often find that we glean wisdom from the experiences of others. So we're hoping you would share, how did Farnoosh become the woman we see today? Wow. Um, we're starting with the easy questions, right? <laughs> um, so let me see. Like my brother would say, I will give you the Cliff Notes version. Maybe they don't have Cliff Notes anymore. Do you remember Cliff Notes? Oh, yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. That's how, that's how I got through school. <laughs> that's how he got through school, too. But I read the whole book. But um, so let's see. I was born and raised in Tehran, Iran. Hmm. And um, um, I had a great childhood, even though there was a revolution and a war and bombings and Mm -hmm. all of that, you know, it's funny, like there were bad times, but then I had my friends, I had my pets, I had Mm -hmm. my family and and a very close-knit family, like, you know, cousins and uncles and aunts and grandmothers and all of us living. So we got through the tough times, but a lot of things changed when we moved to Turkey. We went on vacation to Turkey when I was 11 and my dad decided, my parents together decided, you know what, we're not going to go back home. Hmm. I left my dog behind, I left my friends behind. So that that closure is still, you know, (laughs) missing in my life. (laughs) But we lived in Turkey for three years, very hard years, you know. Hmm. I had to learn like three languages, Turkish, English and German at the same time. Wow. And, uh, you know, my parents had a really hard time, but we moved on. And that's when our immigration journey started. And um, and then we came to America when I was like middle of high school. Mm-hmm. Great time, right? For a second culture shock. But again, you know, I have my family and um, we are very disciplined in terms of hard work, dedication, being grateful, and um, really, you know, big on education. So um, I went to Clemson University, I received two degrees in engineering, electrical, um, and um, then later on I went to work for a startup company, and then I moved on to a big Fortune 100 technology company. Mm. And I was following a path that I was sure would lead to success and therefore happiness, right? And you know, I'm very happy with the path I followed, but somewhere in like the fifth or sixth year of my corporate career, I was just unfulfilled and more success wasn't making me happier. Mm. Now I didn't do anything about it for another four years, but it was just interesting because I started to look for distractions. I started to look for things to fulfill me and I was going to be a corporate gal forever. Like that is the only thing I ever wanted, like senior VP of a corporation in corporate America. Mm. But as the years passed, I found myself less attached to that ambition and becoming more cynical. And I didn't like that about myself, like just not being as sincere that things are going to work out or feeling a little disillusioned. Mm. So um, I started to just, you know, take my career more as a job and look for distractions. One of those was blogging and social media, which Mm. at the time, we're talking like 2011 or so, 2010, 2011, it was still very much 
growing right. exponentially. Maybe it has plateaued a little bit, but um, those were my distractions. And I used that, I, I shared that because they later became the foundation of my business. But um, uh, there was a turning point where, you know, I was put on a project I didn't want to do. And I had to make a decision. And it really came down to my core principles. Like, do I want to be this person that continues to do projects or initiatives that I may not be crazy about, that I am not passionate about, and I certainly don't see the outcome, the impact, that human impact that we wish to have simply to get paid a very nice salary, or is there more? Do I want to do something else? And one day my husband and I decided, well, take a risk. So a month later, I resigned. Wow. <laughs> I know, I don't recommend this. I mean, I made it work. I did not have a business plan. I have never had a business course in my life. Mm. Uh, but um, when you figure out what doesn't work, it's the elimination process, right? Mm -hmm. um, like, you know, let's say you want to live in three different countries and you already know for some criteria that you have suddenly, two of them aren't just going to work. Elimination. And you're down to one. For me, I could not work for anyone else or have a boss. So that ruled out all of corporate America like right. this. <laughs> and, but I didn't know what I was going to do. I knew that I needed to work for myself, but I was flexible to figuring out the rest. And so, but things worked out well because 18 months later, I brought my husband on board from the same corporation actually. Hmm. And we've been entrepreneurs since late 2012 and we have not once looked back you know so and then there is the last you know eight years of uh, doing this and um the evolution of working for ourselves and you know i think it's actually the best thing for personal growth wow. starting your own business mm -hmm. so that i am not the person i was when i was in corporate america by any stretch you know I would never advocate health, wellness, mental balance, all of that being really important in your success. But I've learned, for instance, everything is connected. If you're emotionally exhausted or if you're physically unfit, you actually do not perform as well. Yeah. And so, you know, but those were the things I would simply dismiss because, oh my God, my, my career is all that matters. I'm working hard. Don't bother me with this other stuff. You know, yeah, yeah. so, but anyway, here we are. And I am really, really happy to be doing the work that I love and to feel that impact. Like we were talking about the word tangible a minute ago. Mm -hmm. What I feel today is so tangible and I didn't have this fulfillment in my corporate job, wow. you know? Mm -hmm. So, um, and we can take this in any direction. Wow. There is like so much I want to unpack from your story right there. And the first thing I want to think was like when you were back in your home country of Iran yeah. and, and you're talking about getting bombed on and all that, but you're with your family. And it really reminded me of um, Sebastian Younger's book, Tribe. I don't know if you've ever had a chance to read no. that, but it is just such a phenomenal book that really goes into the mindset of people and how really you know, we'd rather be with family in hardship than we would, or with connection, than we would be isolated elsewhere, you know, and, and it causes yes. so much more, even though we're safe somewhere else, it, it, it doesn't right. mean we're happier. Right. And, and I think that's, that, that was a great example of that. And what you just shared with us, that's, yeah. that's wild. 
Yeah, and I don't wish it on anyone mm -hmm. with family or without. I mean, war is awful. Right. But I was young enough. I was seven, eight, nine. It was going mm -hmm. on by the time I left, uh, maybe up to 10. But I was old enough to know this is wrong. This shouldn't mm -hmm. be happening. And, um, and the fear that my parents experienced was more like a strange excitement. Yeah. Like I, I, I feel so strange in saying it, but when the alarms would go off or mm -hmm. the sirens rather, mm -hmm. and we had to turn off the lights and run to the hallway or go down to the basement, it was a little exciting. I mean, I was a kid, mm -hmm. but then you would look at your parents and they're terrified and you're trying to process that and reconcile them in your young mind. And I mean, I don't feel like it left a lasting effect on me. I, I mm -hmm. hate thunder and um, uh, what is it? Uh, fire. Works. Oh, yeah. like yeah. that I do not like but otherwise I feel like you know I got through yeah. it we got through it we were lucky yeah so, uh yeah that's just that's amazing and thank you for sharing that and <laughs> <You're welcome>. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> another thing I wanted to ask you about and you know this isn't me leading a question it's more like just curiosity so when you were going so you went to electrical engineering you start working for corporate America yeah. and, and you're doing all that and did you feel like almost like a crisis of meaning at some point. Like you're like, this is not, <laughs> you know I mean? This is not for me. And, and, you know, cause I think a lot of times, um, yeah. I, I think that your what you did was inspirational because a lot of times we get into this sunken cost fallacy where we're just like, we're yeah. so in it now that we feel like we've invested so much that we're not going to mm -hmm. pull out no matter how mm -hmm. unhappy we are. And I was just wondering what your thoughts were when you were going through that. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there is that. But at the beginning, I can tell you, I didn't have any, any confusion, like this was it, I was going to be successful. And I was at a startup for under two years. But then I went on to be corporate, like that was what I wanted. So um, I didn't feel like, you know, I don't want to do this. It was just a matter of how do I do this so that I can succeed and get promoted and, and, you know, get the titles and, and all the things that seem superficial, but they are definitions of success in a corporate hierarchy, you know? Right. And, um, and, and, and it wasn't until later where you're right, like around year six or mm -hmm. seven, maybe I started to have doubts and, and there was just this emptiness, but yeah. then I didn't think anything about it. Like, I think my dis my discipline, self-discipline, Joe, just didn't give permission for these thoughts or entertaining these thoughts. Like, mm. oh my God, maybe there's more to life. I'm like, are you crazy? <laughs> yeah. like, are you a dreamer? Here we are, you know? Because for me, it was really important not to have any financial issues in my life because we did right. struggle. When right. we moved from Iran and I saw that there's nothing romantic about being poor. Right. And I don't think we were in that category, but comfort was hard to come. Every year things got better, mm -hmm. but I wanted to make it big. And so it was like nothing was going to get in my way. But what you talk about, the sunken, what did you call that? Term? Oh, the, uh, the sunken cost fallacy, like you've the already, sunken cost. yeah. Yes, there's also another term for it, which is not coming to me, but I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's the reason people stay in a bad relationship, for instance, right. mm -hmm. or because I've invested some, or or they invest, uh, they they keep their investments because mm -hmm. you know even though the chart is showing it's going down, they're not ready to cut their losses because right. it's going to go back up, and I can't possibly quit now right. when I'm so low. Um, uh, and so I get that. Um, I think for me, that wasn't an issue, but it mm. can be depending on your mindset. Right. For me, I just got fed up. 
Mm. And knowing my personality, when that happens, I just turn a corner and there's no turning back and I move forward. Mm. And, and I do that, you know, in relationships where, you know, I, I have boundaries, but mm-hmm. if somebody just, you know, let's say mistreats me, I have like a forgiveness policy and, you know, I really think about it. But then after they have crossed the line several times, let's say, I just move on. Right. I don't think, oh my God, I've invested five years in this friendship. I'm like, mm-hmm. it is over. It mm-hmm. has run its course. Let us move on because mm-hmm. life is short and I am, I am here to make the most of my time. Mm-hmm. But I know what you mean. And perhaps what I just shared might be a kick, um, a healthy kick for those of you who are stuck. Yeah. But I think there is no easy way to just let go, but you can do it suddenly. Yeah. You know, you're never, ever going to be ready Hmm. to quit a comfortable job, to get out of a long-term relationship, no matter how abusive. And I am not in any way a doctor or a therapist, but, you know, I mean, I I just don't think there is. But you need to realize you deserve more. And, you know, what is life really about? I mean, your time is going to run out. And... And you just have to like wake up or maybe have something that helps wake you up. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah I think that, you know, w- what you talked about, a lot of it has to do with your self-worth and you knew that there was something better for you. And I think that's very powerful because, you know, a thought for me is uh, both of us are um, immigrants mm-hmm. to this country. And, and I mm-hmm. think about too, is like the pressure that sometimes first generation immigrants have when they come here yeah. and they're like, I have to succeed. Oh, yeah. for my family or is I let them down and you're like okay so then sometimes you get stuck in something you don't want to do because it's it's profitable right <laughs> and you get sure. stuck in it and I can see that happening to a lot of folks coming over here yeah so and that's I what know. I was thinking I was I like you're, you're able to overcome a lot of those thoughts but. yeah not easily though and I mean yeah. there's a lot of healthy parental pressure too especially mm-hmm. from certain countries where yeah. academics is revered and then certain professions and that is really hard right. and a lot of a lot of us try to please our parents but i think at some point at some point in your life i don't know maybe it's 30 35 i mean don't go beyond that you might want to just say okay I have done my duty. I have done right by my parents or my caretakers. Now, what do I want? Just just to figure out what you want. Maybe mm-hmm. you don't even do anything about it. And what do I want to, you know, to let go of? Or yeah. how do I really want to live? Right? Mm-hmm. How do I want to live? And just that question, I think, can open up a lot of other questions. And we don't pause enough to think about that. And then we wake up at 40 or 50 and we're like, oh my God, why am I depressed? We have to pay attention to our body, our mind, our our soul, the the, the messages we get and and, and live in alignment to what's important. Right. Wow, that is so powerful because I think sometimes the most simple questions can really help. Like I've asked myself and then I've asked other people that seem like they're in that same mode is like, what matters to you? Yeah. It's it's a very nice simple question. question, right? But but then oftentimes it's very difficult to answer when, when you when you don't think about it, you don't reflect. Yes, yes. <laughs> I have I have a helpful tip, hopefully a helpful mm-hmm. tip on that. You're right. What do you want? What matters to you? Or what makes you happy? Those are actually hard questions. Right. 
Maybe you can't answer that, but I bet you can answer what don't you want? What makes you unhappy? What do you never want to do again? You know, that, that elimination process, you can answer that. I don't want to have a long commute. I don't want to live in a, I don't know, um, rainy state, whatever it may be. But you know what you don't want and let that lead you closer to the answer. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, no, that's a great, that's a great one. Cause it kind of plays off of the way our, our brains kind of work too. Like we're probably more likely to be mm. able to write down a bunch of the stuff that we don't like, that right? we don't like, right? <laughs> so it'll at least get you list. started, right? It'll at least exactly. get you started for sure. Exactly. And some of those we have no control over, mm-hmm. but you might be surprised a lot of it you do have control over. And if you don't have full control over it, you have influence. If yes. there's other people involved in that decision, you have influence on the final outcome. And so perhaps that can inspire you to take some action toward more of what you want yes. and less of what you don't want. And it's a progression. So if you can't just say, this is what I want, this is what I don't want, you know, clarity doesn't just come overnight. You, you have mm-hmm. to work at it. Yeah. I still work at it. Yeah. So... You know, hopefully that's um, comforting. Yeah. We're all yeah. working at it. Oh, yeah. I don't think, I mean, we're always going to be working at it probably as things probably. evolve. Yeah, as we continue <laughs> to evolve. <laughs> For sure. So I have a question, and this one's probably going to be totally a derailed one, but it was it's going to bother me if I don't ask. So going back okay. to, you talked about the different languages you had to learn. So you're in Turkey. Now you're mm-hmm. learning multiple languages. This is me probably being very ignorant. Why German? Why was that one of the languages you had to pick up? I I didn't choose it. So Mm. when we got there, one of the only professions my dad could pick was teaching at a private high school. Mm. And um, he chose math. That was one of his, uh, his, um, uh, you know, specialties. So he gets a job at a private high school to teach math. And we end up going to that school, me and my brother. Mm. And for some reason that is still unclear to me, Germany and Turkey have very close ties. Mm. So in their private schools, obviously you have to learn Turkey. That's like the national language, um, right? right? But um, they first teach German before they teach English. Mm -hmm. And of course I was going to learn English. So I had to also learn the German. So I had to take those courses. Um, But um, the English stuck, as you can tell. (laughs) Yes, yes, absolutely. (laughs) The German, not so much. And I did minor in French later. So, you know, um, I have a little fluency there. But yeah, it was, um, it wasn't by choice. Yeah. Just, you know, circumstances, right? Okay. Okay. I mean, I just figured, I was like, if I let that one slip without asking, I'm going to be like wondering later on, I was like, why German? Why German, right? <laughs> yeah. No, it is it's a hard language. It is. Language. It is. Uh, I lived there for 18 months and, um, and it's yeah. weird because I took some, um, some French in high school and by no way am I fluent, not even close, but I would, uh-huh. I would just, you know, I lived right on the border of Luxembourg and um, Belgium. And sometimes depending mm-hmm. on where you're at, they're, they're speaking French. And I'm like, Oh, that I picked that up. I lived in Germany and I just could not pick it up. It was so difficult. It was very difficult. It is. Yeah. It is. They say you want to be born speaking German mm-hmm. because then you can learn all the languages so much easier. But, uh, but you know, I don't think English is an easy language. No, I, I mean, don't think so either. Yeah. You know, you pick up conversational English, but mm-hmm. my husband, mm-hmm. 18 years later, yeah. like we were married 18 years and known each other forever. He still throws expressions at me that I don't understand. I mean, you know, I was like endless idioms yeah, and yeah. phrases. Yeah. And 
So it's a very complex language to learn fluently like a native. Yeah, so, absolutely. And then some of yeah. the, you know, the, even the idioms that we use, we don't even know why we use them. We're just using them as they've been so oh, yeah. <laughs> embedded. We're like, what does exactly. that actually mean? <laughs> right? Exactly. And how you use it, right? Yeah, right. So, yeah. But, you know, languages are fascinating. Definitely. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah for sure. <laughs> so we could talk about languages for like another 30, 40 minutes. But um, I really wanted to get into the serving mindset because, like I said earlier, I'm really yeah. appreciative of your book. Um, I'm about halfway through and I'm really enjoying it. Uh, and initially, I'll tell you, you know, because it, it says stop selling and grow your business. And I thought, OK, this is going to be a lot about sales. And there are a lot of points that you make about sales. But yeah. it's I, I as I was reading I was like, oh, this is so relatable and has so many parallels to so many different things and facets of life to different jobs, careers and everything. And, and two of the themes that really, really mm-hmm. um, sunk with me was a lot of it has to do with challenging your paradigms, you know, your views mm-hmm. on yourself, your limiting beliefs. And another thing I thought was really good is really impactful to me because this is the way I've been wanting to live my life is investing up front. You, you, you know, if you invest that time up front and you're, and you're mm-hmm. living that serving mindset, it'll pay dividends, you know, yeah. to you back. So I was hoping, can you like just kind of describe what you mean by the serving mindset and, um, and, and for our audience and maybe go into some of the principles behind it? Yes, gladly. So um, you are right. It is, uh, it is, it can be obviously applied to the selling part of your business, but it's not limited to that. Mm-hmm. And uh, the idea is, um, uh, I mean, the reason I wrote this book, the reason I did this whole body of work is that I could figure out a lot of things in my business. When I went to business, you know, Joe, and then my husband came along, I mean, we come from engineering background, but we could right. figure out the skill gaps quickly. This is how you do this. Then I made myself, you know, um, I worked on becoming a writer, a coach, all of that. But one thing I couldn't figure out and feel good about, two conditions, figure it out and feel good about it, was selling. I mean, you can follow all the traditional tactics and have moderate success, Mm -hmm. and yet you may not feel good about it. I was never going to continue cold calling. It never worked out well or pitching my agenda or using scarcity tactics to grow my coaching practice. And I needed to figure out something that would allow me to do my work and to charge appropriately and to feel good about it. And it was a huge paradigm shift. And it took time for me to actually realize this needs to happen because I would look at the top 1% of coaches, right? Like that's, those are my role models who are charging ridiculous amounts, you know, but that's not the point. And they are, they have happy clients mm-hmm. who are investing this and, and learning and growing. And, and I was like, how do they do that without selling? You don't see their marketing ads everywhere. You don't see them pitching in their newsletters. So that led me to a lot of study. And I was part of a mastermind group and we were all very interested in this topic. And um, we realized, you know, first of all, you need to get very clear on your value, very clear. Mm-hmm. And how much that value is worth in in terms of investment. I don't use the word cost or fee investment for someone else. And how do you articulate that value to them? What outcomes do you help someone create? You can apply this concept to a job interview. 
what kind of outcomes do you help this potential employer create if you were to be their chosen candidate or what desired outcomes do you help this potential client create if you were their chosen coach mm -hmm. right and um and when i realized that and i realized and i could see from actual experience the results i have helped create for my past clients i'm not going to take all the credit but i also know coaching allowed and enabled and empowered them to achieve those results mm. i could I felt very confident in the work that I do, right? And then I became very clear in the results that I can create. So that clarity had to come first. Now, what is that worth? You know, charging appropriately. And that is the hardest part for those of us right. that have um, money issues or scarcity mindset around money. And it's not through fault of our own, it's just cultural, you right. know? But um, whatever you're charging, I find, is usually less than um, the, the work you're doing. If you're a professional and you, um, you know, you're doing really good work, I find a lot of us are undercharging for those professional services. Yeah. And so what you're charging actually needs to go above your comfort zone, but you have to be clear on the value you deliver. And then I realized I never want to make a single person feel sold to. You know that feeling of being sold to? Right, right. Does that feel good? Yeah. Uh, it's it's it, it, Yeah, it, it feels like someone peed in the pool. Like you have no idea oh, right. what's going on, right? Okay, that's one way to say it. But anyway, it's, it's on par with that. Right. And I, I was like, I'm never going to make someone feel that way just to mm -hmm. close the deal. No. So that was a non-negotiable. Right. And so anyway, so I learned how to approach everything, but really drop my agenda and, um, you know, serve them, you know, yeah. serve my prospects so powerful that they lean in and say, Farnoosh, how can we work together? How can you help yeah. us? And so um, once you do that, first of all, you feel so good in your own skin and so confident. And for those of us who have reservations around selling mm -hmm. or selling yourself as a brand, even in your corporate job or, or in your, you know, if you're in the military world to your supervisors, I think once you get really comfortable and confident in your own skin and you realize the work is to focus on serving, but also knowing how to speak to your value when the time is right, right. then you are going to just open the door to so many more possibilities. Mm -hmm. And, you know, personally, I, I, I tested this idea for years before I put it into a book with myself and my own business. Yeah. And I was able to exponentially grow my coaching practice, you know, and be, be glad that it is not for everyone, right? Be very selective in the clients that I bring on board and in the people that I work with so that I can continue to be fulfilled about the work. But also people are happy to invest if it's the right investment for them with me. So, um, so where else can I take this? You know, I can, I can certainly apply to different situations for you, mm -hmm. or we can look at different examples. What would you like to know? So I just wanted to unpack some of the stuff you talked about already first, because I think, you know, when you talked about the job interview mm -hmm. and I've been, I've been a person who's, who's interviewed people for a job and, okay. um, and, and, and what you're saying is so powerful because I've actually had people come into a room and try to sell themselves. But at yeah. some point, they even talk about how the job would help them, 
right? And it's like, if they, if they would have came in with the same attitude that you talked about, a serving mindset, and talked yeah. about how they can help reach our goals as a team, right. that would right. have been a very different conversation. And so all of our listeners that are going into any interviews, yes. that piece of advice right there, that's what we're looking for. That's what people are looking for. Yes, yes. And you can talk about later how mm-hmm. the job might help you, etc. Mm-hmm. But start with how you can be of value and yeah. how you are confident you can bring that value, help with the, your contribution, help this company reach their goals, how passionate you are about what they are doing, how you have ideas to help them. Just make it about them. Yeah. And you will be surprised how some other things won't matter. Like, you know, those specific requirements, they may be more relaxed about that because Mm -hmm. you are a person that is truly passionate about the company and the job. I mean, think about it. If you're employing, wouldn't you want someone that actually cares about your mission? And you're not just saying the words, you have Mm -hmm. to mean it. You have to be sincere. And if that company isn't some company you care about, why are you interviewing? Right. Right? Yeah. Or places where they excite you, then the mission excites you. Yeah. And, and something else that I took from what, you're, what you just said and also from reading your book and also I will honestly mm-hmm. say from your example, right? And I think we learned the most from example. And, and just from our initial conversation we had a little while back, um, when you're tr- trying to just sell a product, Right. That's that's a different perspective than what I see you doing and what you talk about in your book, because you have enough confidence enough in yourself and what you're providing that you can adjust to what your client needs. Correct. Versus just trying to sell your product the way it is in this box perfectly like this. This is and trying to tell them they need this. Right. And I think that is such a powerful thing, too, and not just in selling business, but uh, how, how do how do show your showcase yourself? Right. Yes. And I think those are, that is so powerful. And I was hoping we can elaborate on that a little bit. Yes. I mean, I will say that, you know, mm-hmm. this serving mindset most mm-hmm. applies to when you are presenting yourself to the world as a brand, mm-hmm. as a professional service, mm-hmm. as um, intellectual property, if we can call it, or yeah. contribution to intellectual property, right? right? Basically things that you can do as an individual and no product can match. But if you have physical products, sure, you can apply the serving mindset to your marketing message, Mm -hmm. but I think it's a lot more powerful if it's between individuals, relationships, conversations, and something that I believe all of us would would benefit from. Even the person who's selling products at a volume, Joe, Mm -hmm. they might at some point go to a um, a fundraiser or or be, uh, you know, asking for uh, a sponsorship or partnerships, how they approach that conversation can be from a selling and Mm -hmm. driving their agenda perspective, or it could be from serving. So I think that, you know, if it's again yourself and you are, you're trying to, I don't know, showcase your skills, your abilities. Um, You are trying to, I don't know, um, go after either funding or sponsorship or applying for a scholarship Mm -hmm. or going for, um, I don't know, whatever the case may be, getting a yes from someone for a favor, Right. right? Maybe you're going to an influencer who could promote your book. How you communicate that message, that inquiry, it's either you are pitching to them. I get pitched all day, every day. 
mm -hmm. or you're selling to them, mm -hmm. you know, and people can feel that just, just as you can feel that. Mm -hmm. So the challenge is for you to really be honest and look at the language, the language that you use in your communication in those situations or similar ones and ask yourself, am I pitching my agenda here? Or am I genuinely expressing interest in what is of value to them? And of course, if you were to do business together, yes, you will also meet your own goals. Mm -hmm. But you start with how you can be of service, how you can be of value, how you can, you can be a part of contributing to them. You know, any of that, it's going to go to a completely different direction and it will immediately set you apart because nobody's doing this. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. few people are doing it, but it's <laughs> not common. It's not a common approach. Right. And I think, I mean, it's one of those things that, you know, you and I can talk about and it's, and it sounds mm -hmm. simple, but it's not easily executed. I think from a lot of people's perspectives, they just haven't yeah. gotten there yet. Right. They're still figuring some things out. For sure. For sure. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we just don't know what we don't mm -hmm. know. That's right. it. You know, we're always learning. So this was something that once I learned it, I was like, you mm -hmm. know what, I'm never going to go back to the old ways mm -hmm. of communicating and establishing relationships. But it doesn't mean I'm any, you know, I just didn't know any better. But it is a skill. It isn't, mm -hmm. even though it's common sense, Joe, like, oh, yeah, of course, I want to be of service and of value. I know you do. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't mean you have the skills and the ability and right. the the exact communication framework and approach to right. do it. You can certainly figure that out and you can figure it out on your own or with resources. I talk about that a little bit in my book. I think I give mm -hmm. examples of different language to use, mm -hmm. but... I think one, one, uh, one oversight is that, oh, I get it, serving versus selling, okay. And people oversimplify, mm -hmm. but then they don't realize they go back to selling, even though they try to hide behind the pretense of serving and helping <laughs> you. Yeah. I can see through that, you can yeah. see through that, right? Yeah. Like you have to work a little harder yeah. to set yourself apart and to show genuine interest. And it's hard mm -hmm. because you know, you, you have your goals. Maybe if you're a salesperson at a company, you have the quota, which is a lot of right. pressure. Mm -hmm. So, but we can change a few things even in that relationship and it can set us apart because we value the individual. We put trust above our agenda. We, we pause, we learn mm -hmm. more. We, we're just more genuinely interested and curious a little longer. And that alone helps them create a little bit of, you know, helps create more trust in that relationship. Yeah. And, and I think that one of the reasons why it is difficult is one, I would say that maybe some people, mm -hmm. you know, are lacking some of that emotional intelligence and that social intelligence to be able to understand their communication, you know, what, what they're communicating. But the other piece is I, it's like, we're almost like engineered to have that scarcity mindset versus the abundance mm -hmm. mindset that you're that you talk about quite a bit. Um, yeah. and I think that's, it's powerful because it almost sounds like contrary. Like if you have this abundance mindset, like for instance, I'll just use an example. Um, uh -huh. you're helping other podcasters, you know, get their, their message out there, even though you're a podcaster, some people are like, well, why are you helping your competition? I was like, well, I'm not seeing it as competition. We're all yeah, working right. on this together. Right. But, I love it. but there is the scarcity mindset out there where people will believe that like, Hey, no, no, I don't want to, I don't want, 
I don't want to promote other people's stuff, <laughs> right? It's like, why not? Why not? We're all, it's like, it's like we're all at the shopping mall now. There's more foot traffic coming through. You know what I mean? I know. I know. <laughs> and I think what we need to remember, and it's a work in progress, I promise you. Mm-hmm. I fall into the trap too. And I constantly, right. at least I have the awareness to say, stop doing that, mm-hmm. right? Be smarter. But right. I think what you need to remember is, Helping others, even mm-hmm. let's call it your competition, mm-hmm. doesn't take away from your success. Right. It's not finite pieces of pie. Mm-hmm. Okay. In a corporate environment, it is. Mm-hmm. There is only three promotions and a hundred people. Okay. Right. If that's what you're going for, yes, there is mm-hmm. a scarcity of promotions. There is just simple math there. Mm-hmm. But I think you can still apply the serving mindset and you're yeah. probably going to be more likely for that promotion. But anyway, the point is, don't think helping others takes away from your success. Right. I think that is the part, that's the real scarcity, mm-hmm. right? If I yeah. help this person, then I lose out. Then they right. win, I lose. And right. I hope to think most of life isn't like that. There mm-hmm. is enough to go around for all of us. And in fact, when you give, you receive more back. Yeah. You know I that. I know you live that way, Joe. Yeah. And mm-hmm. And it's, um, and it's wonderful to give and mm-hmm. to feel confident that in the right time, you will also be receiving your rewards. Right. Yeah. And, and, I mean, this, the win-win scenarios that, you know, you can develop by living that abundance mindset. And, and like you said, okay, like you could look mathematically and like there is a scarcity on how many opportunities yeah. there are. But we're not just talking about tangible things that you see right there. We're talking about having that abundance mindset and living a healthier yes. life, right? And, yes. and, and that tends to lead to more happiness and fulfillment in your life and not just your job or your career or whatever that might be. And I think that's something we need to shift our paradigms towards as a group. Because if we're all winning, that not that a life that we'd all want to be at? you know where we're just surrounded by more winners that'd be great right right i mean i think covid is actually showing us this in um just in a very clear way in an almost Mm. a painful way where we all have to help each other yeah all these countries have to work together to figure out the virus we are all gonna need it because if not look what happens i mean it is like this great example of how we need to set aside our differences and work together and that way all of us win. Yeah. And, um, you know, we all need society to, to get back, you know, so we can go out there. But if you think selfishly, mm-hmm. it just doesn't work. Right. Right. I mean, we have to cooperate with uh, what's happening and we have to care mm-hmm. about, okay, people out there, maybe not being as careful. It's going to affect all of us. It's all so connected. Right. And so what could happen if we all help each other, if we all do what is right, if we all take a leadership role mm-hmm. and, um, you know, have a bit of optimism, mm-hmm. it's, um, it's just going to be a different outcome. And it's a different way of living and being and seeing the world. Like you just have to change that perspective. It's hard right? Right. because you're so used to that lens. I mean, right. I fall into it right. and I just have to snap back and say, no, 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 it's better this way. Yeah. And you will know because you're going to feel better, mm-hmm. right? Like yeah. I talk about this in my leadership seminar, there is the victim mindset mm-hmm. and there is the leadership mindset. Every day you wake up, you make a choice. Yes. You don't make a conscious choice. The one that has more inertia right now is the mm-hmm. victim mindset and it will take hold. 
So you have to consciously choose, I'm going to be a leader today and I'm going to help someone else. At the end of the day, I bet the person who does this is going to feel better. And isn't that really what it's all about? You feel better about yourself. That's going to go out to everyone around you, your family, your work. It's, yeah. It's, you know, it's all connected. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a perfect so, point. I mean, people who live in that scarcity mindset, you can see the angst that they live with. They live in this yeah. world where it's like they're, they're scavenging for whatever they can grab onto and, and it's a doggy dog world. And you can see the unhappiness that are there. And, and it's hard to see it when you're in it, when you're in that, <laughs> you know, yes. you think it's normal, you think it's normal, but um, yeah, to yeah. set the example of the abundance mindset is so important. Yes, it's a work in progress, but we yeah. start somewhere, right? Well, right. the first part is awareness. Mm -hmm. Right, you don't have to share it with anyone, but are you really living in a scarcity mindset or abundance? Where are you on that scale? Mm -hmm. And perhaps you are motivated after our conversation here to take that first step, right? Yeah, for more abundance, right? Right, yeah, and, yeah. and, and a lot of times it just takes an extra conversation. <laughs> with somebody you know what I mean like maybe you see them as competition quote unquote but like yes. but but maybe you can actually have a conversation You're like oh wait we can both win here you know what I mean like th there's a lot of opportunities and once again like you had mentioned you know do you want to be a victim you know all these things are, that's a choice that's also a choice yeah. too do you want to have that conversation to, yes. to see potential outcomes for sure for sure yeah. I mean it could be as simple as how can I help you Right. Could I, right. could I share something that could be of value? Would, would this mm -hmm. conversation be of value yeah. to you? Mm -hmm. You know, and once you start to get more comfortable with that language, I think it's going to be easier to take those first steps. So hopefully we have provided some examples yeah. here yeah. to help your listeners. Yeah, absolutely. And there's one more thing I wanted to talk on because I think this may help our listeners. There's some, there's a part of the serving mindset that I just read right before we got on because I was, mm -hmm. I was reading it before. And um, I loved your part where you said, are you actually committed to the goal? You know, yeah. uh, and, and you're having a conversation, so are you actually committed to your goal? And I know um, a lot of people, this is um, yeah. uh, three August right now. I've been in quarantine for eight days and um, I've been putting out my goals and I've been really trying to stay committed to my goals. But you bring up a point, you're like, okay, are you really committed to it? Because if you're not, you're like, okay, I'll try to get to it at some point. You're probably not really committed to it. You're, you're, when yes. you're committed, zero, 0900 I have to be at work, you work your day to know that that's a commitment that you have to make. But there are so yeah. many things that we do for ourselves as goals that we're not fully committed to. I'd yes. love you to elaborate on that a little bit. I know. I know you are fully committed, Joe. I mean, <laughs> you are like my example. But you know, I find, I find we let ourselves down mm -hmm. so easily. Like you keep the promises to say, like, if you have to be somewhere, what was it? Oh, 900 hours or whatever, yeah, yeah. you are going to do it. There's the, the ticket, the plane waiting for you, the right. boss waiting for you. Mm -hmm. You're going to be there. But if you told yourself you're going mm -hmm. to commit to this goal for you, no okay. less, you are so likely to let yourself down. Yeah. And sometimes we have the, we always have the excuse as well. Mm -hmm. My family needs me. My work needs me. But what you really did is you let yourself down. So mm -hmm. that relationship with ourself needs to have a higher level of integrity and honor. Yeah. And you need to hold yourself accountable. Now, if you have a hard time holding yourself accountable to you, then ask for help. Mm -hmm. Have an accountability partner to help you stay committed to your goals. And perhaps you can do that for them. Yeah. You know, I mean, I think that's the, that's the part where once I realized that, why am I letting myself down? Mm -hmm. Because nobody's going to police me. Nobody's going to say, well, why did you, right? Because right. I didn't let someone else down. 
And so that's where we need to be careful because once you start honoring your own goals, mm-hmm. hence getting committed to them, yeah. it's such a surge of confidence. Like right. your possi- horizon of possibilities expands, mm-hmm. you know? Because you're like, well, I did that. I told myself I would do it. I did this for myself. That is not being selfish. Mm-hmm. You're serving yourself. You're filling your own cup so you can go out there and do your job for the world. Yeah. So so I think that the part to notice is, okay, I, do I let myself down? And maybe you do, maybe you don't. Mm-hmm. But I think that's where it comes from. That's why I put that question. Yeah. And um, when you're committed, you know. And of course, yeah. your results will speak louder than words. Mm-hmm. But if you have trouble getting there, then ask somebody to hold you accountable. And then because we have a hard time letting others down, we are actually going to stick to it. And hopefully you realize, oh, this goal was really for me. So maybe I can honor myself more in the process. Of course, your goals have to be meaningful and you have to have a good why behind it. Mm -hmm. Right? But once you're clear about all of that, then don't use lack of motivation as a excuse i think that's such a poor excuse yeah you know absolutely you just have to you know be committed to yourself or get some help to staying accountable yeah that is some great advice yeah like people often ask me i was like well how do you get so much stuff done it's like because i told myself (laughs) i will (laughs) you know what i mean yeah i told myself i will but like like everything else we talked about it's been a work in progress there's been times where i'm like okay that didn't work out (laughs) i tried but it didn't work out you know and uh, and, but um i'm okay with that too i I like to put that out too is that um you know i don't i don't i don't reach every goal but i do my best to put myself in a position where I can achieve them, you know, yes. um, by committing yes. to them. So, and if you've done your best, do mm-hmm. you go really, really hard on yourself, Joe, when you don't yeah. achieve your goal? No, no, not when I know that I put everything into it, but only I know that, right? Like only we know, like the only person knows you know that, that. Right. Right. So, um, that's why I love, you know, uh-huh. we, we talk about feelings a lot and people are like, Oh, you know, we're just trying to feel good. But what your point is, you know, when you bring up feeling good, it's like, yeah, you have to feel good about it as well. You can't just, you know, say you want to do it. I mean, I think it's, like you said, figure it out and then feel good about it. You got to do both. Yeah. And I think that's so powerful. I mean, you can, you can forego feeling good. I get that because Mm -hmm. I did that and I I get that people can, you know, mock that that's okay, but Mm -hmm. only for so long before Mm -hmm. it catches up with you. If you hate your job, but you make a lot of money, keep doing it. I need people like this all the time. And it actually ages you. It ages you because feeling good, that inner wellness is, it's proven scientifically. You can Mm -hmm. neglect it. Of course you have free will, but you will pay for it. And maybe for short periods of time, we have to do certain work. We have certain responsibilities. All of us will do that, of course. Um, We are going to put up with feeling poorly if we can't Mm -hmm. do anything about it and get the job done. But if that's an extended way of existence, Mm -hmm. that's what we're talking about, right? And we have a choice about that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, You know, those people that Mm -hmm. are making tons of money doing something they hate, a lot of times they have a lack of meaning in what they're doing and they end up trying to fill that with something else, some counterproductive stuff. They yeah. buy extra stuff, you know, they buy. Sure. Yeah. So yeah. And that's extra not cars, I'm, houses. Yeah. Boats. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Still not, still not filling the void. <laughs> and you know, that's fine. And maybe yeah. they will figure it out and maybe they mm-hmm. won't. I mean, it's, you have yeah. to be interested in figuring it out too. Right. 
you know? Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah. For sure. Everything comes with time. Like we talked about, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, your, your example of how you were kind of in the grind and doing these things. And it took a while for you to figure that out. Same with me. I was very achievement mindset. And if I didn't go through that, I probably wouldn't have even got to where I'm trying to get to still, you know, but I don't think I'd be where I'm at right now. So it's like you said, it comes with time, you know, it it takes time to figure it out, but it does. It does. So it's a good note on patience. Yes. You know, but definitely no excuses not to get started right away. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. Right? That, so that is a key a point. Tough love for you. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So. Man, Farnoosh, that, this has been such a fun conversation. I really appreciate you. you coming on. My I think pleasure. the listeners are going to get a lot from this. Um, so, so whenever we wrap these up, we like to mm-hmm. end with what we call the leadership rapid fire questions. And I'm going to give you a series of four questions. Okay. It's however you want to interpret them. We, we do this on purpose because we get mm-hmm. more, uh, more of a variety of answers when we do that. So however okay. you want to interpret them. Cool. Okay. All right. Question number one, what is your favorite leadership trait? Integrity. Integrity. All right. And that is uh, Air Force's core value, number one. So we appreciate that very much. Awesome. <laughs> All, right. All right. All right. So question number two, what is your favorite quote? My favorite quote is... Forward is forward. What is the rest of it? Forward is forward. Like no matter how much progress you're making, if you're moving an inch forward, you still make progress. Yes. Okay. I botched that, but I don't know who said it. (laughs) But that's one of my favorite quotes. (laughs) That's a great, that's a great one though. That's a great message. All right. Question number three. What is a book besides the serving mindset? Maybe one that you did not author that we're going to talk about in a little bit, a couple of your books, but uh, <laughs> what would be a book that you would recommend to an aspiring leader, maybe even entrepreneur, you know, um, e- either or, but what is a book that you would recommend to one of those? Um, gosh, I'm going to cheat. Look back at my list uh-huh. of books. There are so many, many, many good books. I love, I love Stephen Pressfield's work, mm. especially yeah. if you need a kick of motivation, yeah. um, either um, wo- The War of Art, or do the work or turning pro that's actually my favorite turning pro awesome and um reminds me to read it again yes so (laughs) thank you mr pressfield (laughs) awesome we'll make sure we add those to the um the show notes and um the final question is our deep one Um, at the llama lounge we're all about life learning and leadership so how does farnoosh find her harmony between life learning and leadership Life, learning, and leadership, my harmony between all of that. I think, gosh, um, I think just understanding that, look, the learning never ends. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm always trying to be a better leader. And I think um, for me, because I'm such a fast-paced person, Mm -hmm. harmony always comes when I slow down. So hard to do, but yeah. slowing down and pausing and taking it all in, which helps me regroup, reset my focus and go at it again and, and, you know, be able to navigate all of those elements you just shared, but pausing and um, regrouping. Oh man. 
Yeah, I know. I know why we, we we click because yesterday I was trying to take one of those pause, slow down, rest days, and I realized I am terrible at this. I'm terrible there you at go. Yeah, yeah. Me and, and I need you to both. work on that. Yeah, I need to work on it just exactly. like you. Exactly, we'll work on it together. Okay, <laughs> there, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Farnoosh, earlier on, I talked about how um, you know you're you're the the founder and the president of Prolific living. And I wanted to get opportunity to plug some of your, you know, your business and um, uh, the website to reach you if somebody wanted to contact you and, and maybe some Thank of your you. books. How do, how do we re, uh, get a hold of your books? Sure. So my books are sold everywhere. They, they were okay. traditionally published. So Amazon, I think has the best uh, uh, and quickest way to get it to you. Mm-hmm. But the books are sold everywhere, The Serving Mindset. And um, you can check out prolificliving.com um, if you are interested in the work that I do around that or farnushbrock.com. And um, if you are really interested in the content that I create right now, I am very active on LinkedIn. Um, I have been you know, using that platform and really building communities and sharing a lot of content around serving leadership. And so you are more than welcome to connect with me there so i hope that helps and i would love to know that you got there because you were listening to this conversation with joe and i would welcome uh personal uh, connections more than anything so thank you for asking joe yeah, absolutely. Thank you for coming on. I know a lot of people are going to get a lot from this conversation. I know I'm going to listen to this one a couple of times too, because oh, thank you. It, it, yeah, it was such a valuable conversation and I am just absolutely honored to be connected with you. My absolute pleasure. I look forward to staying in touch and I'm wishing you really well in the rest of the quarantine. <laughs> and um, thank you again for doing such a great job with your show. Oh, thank you. Thank you. And and for all our listeners, as always, stay safe, stay healthy. Llamas are out. Thanks for tuning in to the Llama Lounge podcast. Be sure to visit the homepage for links to products and services related to this episode. And don't forget to subscribe to the show on your podcast platform of choice. See you next time.